0: Enter the creative world with Mind Your Own Marketing Business. Explore a variety of trends in creative ways, getting insider knowledge and advice from industry is proud to present Mind Your Own with host Tim Barshness. Thanks for joining us on the Mind Your Own Marketing Business podcast. I'm Tim Barshness, founder of Web and Mobile Development Team Fjord, and today on our show we will be talking with Eric Fowles about his creative agency Voltage. Welcome to the show, Eric.
1: Hey, how are you? Thanks for having me.
0: We're glad you could be here. So Eric, can you tell us a little bit about Voltage?
1: Absolutely. Um, yeah, I started Voltage 10 years ago <clears throat> in a basement in Louisville, Colorado. So, Lewisville, What was going
0: through your mind when you founded it?
1: You know, I have been a designer, a graphic designer for a long time. I had a design agency and um, I've been doing a lot in the digital space. And so when I started Voltage, I just... Uh, I didn't want it to be named after myself. I wanted to create something that was more than, than me. And uh, again, I, I started Voltage just as a one-man team 10 years ago. And, and, and I was trying cool, to good. basically uh, <laughs> basically make money and dig us up out of a hole because before that I had a business that I learned a lot from, uh, but we had, <laughs> we had you know, run on to, you know kind of the end of our rope there.
0: Uh, uh, an expensive learning lesson. It sounds like. Um, so, how big is the team today?
1: We're uh, about 30 people. We have an office in Salt Lake. Wow, good for you. Yep. Okay. And then one in Boulder County and Louisville, where the majority of our okay. employees are. Okay.
0: Got it. Very good. And what what types of work do you guys do?
1: So we focus um, a lot of work in the fashion and apparel space. We work for Adidas, uh, Reebok, Talbots, Smartwool. Bunch of uh, clothing brands, and then also Chipotle. So we do anything from, a, you know, front end digital campaigns, uh, product launches, web development, com specific. We work a lot on Shopify, and also some back end web apps, which we do for Chipotle and some other clients.
0: Very cool. Um, I happen to be a huge Chipotle fan. Which uh, which campaigns have you worked on?
1: So for Chipotle, we actually, you you wouldn't see what we work on because it's all behind the scenes. We've helped them operationally by building custom web apps that have streamlined their fundraising process. So we helped them, you know, double their donations that they were getting through local fundraisers and local communities and integrating that into their back end tools. And then since then, I've built out a marketing tool and um, some other tools that help them streamline operations. All on Got Maribel. it.
0: Um, so you mentioned you had a, a business before Voltage. Um, what what else prompted you to, to start your agency?
1: Well, it's a good story. I'll try and keep it short. But, you know, I um, always wanted to do my own agency. I've always been driven by design. I love making and creating uh, cool things. And that's what my passion is. And I had been working with a partner. And I'd left a big agency that I started with in Boulder. And we did that for about six years, and we started the agency right before September 11th, so we immediately ran on to hard times. I don't know if you remember, but things got pretty bleak on um, yeah. the marketing side at that time. We had a client that we started the company with go out of business, uh, but it taught me how to hustle. I tell everyone that that was my MBA those years. It was the school of hard knocks. We did everything wrong. We seemed to make the, the mistakes that we learned from, but I look back now and it really set me up to do voltage in a successful way each one of those learning experiences and and the driving motivation for voltage is my partner and I started going different ways and you know it was and and we had also had some business things not go so well and and we're kind of getting to the bottom of the barrel Um, and any business owner knows it's Sometimes hard to cut bait, you know you keep thinking things will turn around, but things weren't and I just uh, and my wife uh, we were she was having twins. we already had four kids, so we have six kids wow, and uh, yeah and so on the side of that in my personal life, there were a lot of things that motivated me to go out and start voltage. When I decided to leave that partnership, I had a lot of offers, and I actually went back to Florida and worked for an entrepreneur adam sandow and when I was out there, I had a lot of people I'd worked with saying, "We want you to to help us. We want you." And I remember just telling my wife, "Hey, you know, I think the best way to dig out of this hole is just to go at it uh, again. We have nowhere to go but up, which was true." And um, and so that's what we did. And I, I got a small office in the basement of the building that we're in now. It was in a storage room. You had to walk through like plastic uh, cut, you know, doorway like a like a freezer room to get into our office and it was just raw concrete but it was awesome i have such fond memories of those days and that's where a lot of big things happened and kind of led us to where we are now now we're on the top floor of that building so good for you fun story
0: (laughs) moving up in the world um so what is it about about you eric that makes you start businesses
1: you know I that's a good question I've asked myself that because I didn't really see myself as an entrepreneur until probably you know the last five or six years and I start looking back and I've always started businesses in high school my friend and I had a belt business we started in literally middle school and again and I look back at why I was doing it I wasn't in my mind thinking I want to be an entrepreneur I was thinking I have a great idea for some cool belts, and we started making them. And kids in our high school thought they were really cool, and we started selling them. We got a sure. sales rep, you know, and kind of sold them across the country. So we did that for many years. I started a magazine. Again, it was all driven by an idea that I wanted to see happen. Something that I felt like, you know, I want to make this because I don't really see what I want out there. So, you know, I think the entrepreneurship has been in me from a long time, but. Um, as an agency builder and as a you know, consultant to other companies that entrepreneurial kind of interest um, helps me drive my clients because all of our clients are kind of entrepreneurs in some way, even the big ones, you know, they're trying to launch new products in a crowded space, or they're trying to yep. you know, find creative ways to market things. So I love solving problems. I love coming up with ideas to launch things. And I do love products. Everyone can attest to that. I buy a lot of things. When I see cool things, I buy them, and um, my wife is, you know, constantly throwing stuff out. <laughs> but, <laughs> but again, I, I like to see that. I like to see the innovation. I like to always be thinking about what the next thing is and um, and what, you know, where where the marketplace is going or where an industry is going and, and how you can use that creativity to solve those problems.
0: Sure. Um, you, you mentioned that you had a... a partner in in your previous business Um, I'm curious what you learned from from having a partner that applied to um, where you're going with voltage
1: okay the number one thing I learned is listen to people when they give you advice (laughs) okay when I started the partnership it was it was 50 50 and everyone said those never work out and of course being young and and naive I thought nah it'll work out for us well yeah uh, inevitably things in life change people change Um, sometimes their path takes them a different path and it's really hard to be a a 50, 50 partner. I mean, I've seen people that do it and have successful companies, but, um, for me, it did run its course and it got to the point where, you know, that we were, we were wanting to go different directions and you don't have a third partner that can, you know, kind of help you kind of have a stalemate if, if it's, it's literally 50, 50. So that was one thing I learned, uh, just looking back at it, uh, You know, the other thing that I learned is just, again, through experience, through taking jobs where you didn't get paid or I remember showing up on clients' uh, (laughs) um, doorsteps like at at odd hours of the the night waiting for a check because, you know, we needed to make payroll, things like that. Sure. Uh, But, you know, from experience, you start to learn certain red flags that you avoid and, and certain ways to avoid those things.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, Do you think you'll ever do a a business with a partner again?
1: I think I will, but I think I would be um, a lot wiser about how we structure things up front. Yeah. You know, again, like I'm involved in some real estate things and I've considered partners there. And and I've realized as long as um, things are spelled out really clearly, I think you can make it work. Uh, A good friend gave me some great advice and he said that, you know, the difficult thing about partnerships is everything's great as long as it's even killed but as soon as you lose money or make money you better have you know things outlined because you know someone will say well he's not working as much as I am or right know. so so it's still I think a risky thing um usually I think there needs to be a, a, a controlling partner someone that can't have the final say and it seems that those partnerships tend to to work and people can you know get what they need to that way
0: yeah, um, I think, I know I've kind of learned over time that um, in different partnerships, um, I tend to assume that a partner is going to solve the problems that I don't want to solve. And I don't think that's a, that's a fair expectation.
1: Yeah, you know, a great story. My son is a missionary. I went on a mission right now and he just sent us an email and said, you know, um, he says, you, you're paired up with other missionaries and sometimes you don't always get along with them. And he said one thing that uh, someone taught him there was you got to think of, would I want to be, you know, like partners with myself? And if yeah. you wouldn't, then, you know, maybe that's the first place to start, to be a yeah, good right. partner. So it, it, I thought it was really, you know, valuable insight from from my son, which was kind of neat, you know, considering in marriage and all those things are, you know, those are partnerships too. And
0: yeah. Right.
1: Principles apply across business and life.
0: Totally. Great point. Um, so, um, I'd like to hear a little bit more about why voltage is so successful.
1: Okay. Well, I mean, I'm going to have, uh, a few things that I'm proud of that I believe makes it successful. And one is our culture. Uh, you know, we, we definitely put a high price on quality, high value work. We know that it's a competitive marketplace, so we make that a high priority, but I do believe that clients... Essentially, want to feel comfortable with a group of people they're working with, and we've tried to build a culture and voltage that is very positive, um, over overcommunicative, um, very team-oriented, and I think that does show in the relationships we've had because we've had these partnerships with our clients for sometimes six years, seven years, maybe a little longer than a typical agency might run, um, you know, with a client, and they keep going, and and I attribute that to the kind of people we hire and the kind of values that we hold in our agency.
0: Sure. So um, it sounds like you're saying that your culture is what makes your clients comfortable working with you. Is that a fair statement?
1: It is, yeah. I believe that um, clients align themselves uh, with values, and if you have similar values, um, they will feel comfortable. and. And you know, feel good as a partner. Always, top quality work has to be the number one thing too. You have to deliver, right? And so, I so I guess I say, you know, that's very important. But but what I was trying to say is, I feel like our culture also plays a big part in that. And
0: yeah, it's it, it's interesting. If you look back at, at clients or engagements that's that maybe didn't go as smoothly as you'd hoped, um, could you look at your values and say, oh, either the client didn't exhi- exhibit these values, or you know. Uh, heaven forbid, maybe we didn't exhibit these values in this case or something.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and and in all honesty, you know, we've had situations like that and I've had um, scenarios where you always take the high ground and you always do what's right, right? You have to have an integrity there. Mm -hmm. And even with clients where, because, you know, you have projects that just don't go smooth and it's for 101 different reasons, um, but those come up. And if you're honest and you're able to work with the client and deal with that and own up to something you did wrong, try and fix it, do your best, you know. Um, and and then there's clients that, you know, it just is hard to work with. But I've I've had those situations and I've always been surprised that after ending maybe a, a, a bad project or something and you think, I don't know if they're going to call us again. It'll be, a couple, you know, six months down the road and they, they, they call you again. Or someone calls them they said, so-and-so worked with you. So I think that's kind of a proof that people will recognize when you're honest, straight with them and good business people. Sure. And regardless of where maybe something might have gone south and who knows for what reason, they'll still recognize that, you know, I can call those guys and I can trust them and I'll get the best they can do and I'll get, you know, you know, maybe we're not the right fit for this type of work that's getting done or something, but, um, but I found if you have those principles, you build relationships and even when things go wrong you tend to re you know, connect with those people and they they still value you and understand where um you know that integrity and have trust in you.
0: Right. Got it. Um your website says your company is a force for good. I'm curious what that means to you.
1: Yeah, um I'll I'll tell you the quick story, but you know when I started Voltage, I wanted it to t- you know, I started again without a partner. I thought I wanna be in control of, of this thing and I want to create an environment I wanna be in everyday. And I used to tell my top leadership team, you know, we can be a force for good. Um, and I really believe that through business that you can actually make change. And it was more of an internal thing just between us when one of my key employees said, you know, this is an awesome thing. We should promote this. Like we should make this a mission. Uh, and we started, ask, you know, kind of toying with that and talking about it more internally. We started doing some service related things. Um, and then we actually came to a scenario where we had a hackathon in our agency and we asked the question, What's it mean to our clients, um, us wanting to be a force for good, you know, so outward facing and people came up with all kinds of great solutions. And one was 4% for good, which is actually taking 4% of our profits and redirecting them back into so nonprofits and usually nonprofits that our clients work with. So every quarter we'll reach out to our clients and say, Hey, you guys have done this much work with us and that's, you know, this much of that 4% profit pool that we donate. Are there any organizations that you guys support that you'd like that us to send that check to um, and so it lets them be involved and feel like the work that we're doing we're actually giving back to a cause that they believe in
0: sure and how do you is that something that you're pitching up front to the client or following up with after the fact?
1: it is now uh, for like the last two years it's been our second slide and again this is where I started to realize it is important to align with values um, yeah. And so we, we say, hey, we're Voltage, and, um, and then we say, you know, we believe our mission is to be a force for good. We want to back companies that are making change and doing good things. It doesn't mean we're just going to work with nonprofits. It means we're going to work with companies and help them find their force for good. What is it that they can do that their employees get behind that makes them feel mission-driven? And um, yeah, and so and that's been really successful. And then we go into, you know, our clients. Our capabilities and, and usually a case study or two, but it's our second slide in our deck, and so yeah, it's it's really important to us.
0: Got it. Very cool. Um, I'm curious: is it is it possible to be a force for good like you guys are and still be profitable?
1: Yeah, we have, and um, we're usually you know in that twelve to ten percent range. We've we've had better you know percentages, but we're growing and. Um, it, it definitely is, and um, what I found is that in our hiring process, so this is one of the the turning points that that were made too, is we we were putting out a lot of uh, job postings for for programmers, saying we need someone that knows this language and does this. This is, and we just were having a hard time getting a lot of great resumes. So we ended up flipping that dialogue to saying, Do you want to be a force for good? Do you want to work for somewhere that you know positivity? This and this and these values are really important and 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 on the you know and on the side learn how to be a great programmer and it was amazing the kind of talent that we got we got a lot more resumes, and the people that came in were really interested in that that was a a, a driver for them. They were either somewhere where they didn't feel like they were kind of making a difference or they didn't feel like they you know there there was that culture sure so so, yeah, you can be profitable, number one. I proof, we're proof of that. And two, um, you can get employees to come work for you because in some instances, that's more important to them than maybe, you know, a, a crazy Google salary that gives them everything they want.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, let's see. Uh, I'm curious, what are some common myths or misconceptions about work in your field?
1: Oh, interesting. Um, about work in our field yep you know I think um, well I think that you know it's just it's not like a, a print campaign or something that's just done and out the door its you're building living kinda of breathing technologies that uh, develop over time uh, that can do a lot of things so I think one of the misconceptions is people don't realize that it really pays to sit down and have a discovery session and to actually get deep into their goals and their strategies, because that's where technology can really shine and where you can get the most out of your technology and digital, you know, budgets. So where it might have been in the past, like, hey, we need a website, go do it. Um, it. It helps to ask the question, why? Why do you want a website? What are you trying to accomplish? So. Um, that might be one of them.
0: Sure. You mentioned you guys have a second office in Salt Lake. Is that right? Yes. What prompted opening that second office?
1: Well, we had an employee that uh, wanted to kind of move back home and live in the Salt Lake area. And we had some partners out there that we work with too, and a couple of clients. So after him working out there for a while, we decided, let's just get a small office space and, uh, Market it as another office and see if it drums up business, and it's been really successful. So having that presence in an actual office um, has been great, and we've hired in that office since then. So I think it's almost been two years that we've had that office, and it's been um, it's been a good good move.
0: Sure. Um, so you're you're located in a somewhat remote area, is that correct?
1: Uh, in Louisville. Yeah. Well, it it's it is it's kind of. Um, it's Boulder. It's pretty much Boulder, Colorado. It's right. Okay. Uh, you know, just outside edge. of Boulder. Yeah, and it's more the the family friendly kind of town. Um, so, not as crazy as like downtown Boulder.
0: <laughs> Got it. Um, let's get into a couple news stories. Uh, the first one today, um, titled "Do Good Now: Five Non-Negotiables for Taking Your Brand into the Future." Um, can you tell us a little bit about that article?
1: Yeah. Again, this is where we're where we've seen like our mission. Um, you know, catch a chord with people and we've been basically um, consulting clients to to find their mission and to find those things that will resonate with, well, you know, especially the millennial audience who really wants to be doing something that has more purpose than just, you know, showing up for a paycheck. So, um, so yeah, I think it's it's really important as a company that that you find that driving passion. And it has to come from the top down. It has to be something that you know, the founders really believe in that they can kind of start internally and get their company behind and then externally sharing that, you know, as part of the reason why they're marketing the products they're doing or they're, you know, and it can be a philosophy, it can be a design approach, uh, it can be a, a cause. There's a lot of things it can be, but we believe that that purpose uh, needs to be well defined and communicated.
0: Sure. Um, so the the five things outlined um, in the article are create something that lasts, be mission-driven, look for the long term, um, fill the room with people who know more than you, and have hope it's worth it. Um, I'm curious, uh, which of those speaks to you the most?
1: Um, be mission-driven. That's kind of my, my yeah. big thing right now is I really feel like, you know, people do, there's reasons people do things. Find that reason and let it drive you um and in most cases sure. it's always a positive thing it's always a good reason
0: were you mission driven when you founded voltage or is that something that came over time
1: well i was in a sense that i was always driven to do great work always driven to create the coolest things out there that's always what inspires me and i admire so many other agencies that are doing amazing work so you know you see that and that's that's a driver and that's you know that was my mission early on but Like I said, as I started hiring people and realized I'm creating a company also, I wanted a place that I really wanted to be, I wanted to work with people that I wanted to work with that I felt like, you know, I could bring all my kids there and we could have a family friendly type environment, but also have a mission and, um, and do good. And so that's, that it kind of developed a little bit over time, but it was really early on.
0: Got it. Um, our second article by Stephen Cook on the Voltage blog is titled, Leveraging the Ikea Effect to Create High-Performance Teams. Um, I'm curious, Eric, what is the Ikea effect?
1: Um, well, you know, honestly, you should be asking Stephen that because I'm not as... <laughs> <laughs> but, but here's the principles that I know as far as leveraging high-performance teams and what we've tried to integrate in our agency. And it goes back to the one of the points in the last article you mentioned, which is surround yourself with people that are better than you and, you know, know more than you don't ever think, you know, it all don't ever, you know, that, that I think that approach to business, that hum, that humble approach leads to the most success. And when yeah. you are more interested in seeing one of your employees rise to the top and just grow and be extremely successful. For me, you know, that is a really satisfying thing to me, even more so now sometimes than Some of the work I love when I see our employees just coming into their own and growing and getting excited about what they're doing and kind of hitting their stride. So I think as a leader, you actually put yourself up um, by trying to elevate others.
0: Got it. Interesting. Um, so, from the article, the the IKEA effect is a cognitive bias in which customers, consumers, excuse me, place a disp- disproportionately high value on products they partially created. Um, and I think, you know, if you think about your team helping create your team, they then value your team more, which um, makes sense to me.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Um. Do you see any downside to um, trying to leverage that effect of um, creating ownership within your team?
1: Um, You know, I don't right now. I feel like, um, again, like, you know, when you give the people that that ownership, it becomes a little bit of their baby. Just like as an entrepreneur, when you start your company, it is, it's like your little baby, right? It's hard to let go of things. Um, And, I think you can get that same kind of dedication and loyalty from people when you let them be a part of that and feel like they really contributed and have made, you know, big pieces of that product, whether it's your team in your, in your agency or, or a product you've done for a client.
0: Totally. So, um, you mentioned it, it can be really hard to let go, to to give up the reins, to give up control. I'm curious, how did you learn that?
1: Well, I you know, it was kind of an organic thing for me. You know, you kind of, being a business owner, you work a lot. And <laughs> sometimes it gets to a point where you're, you're like, I, I got to let go of it because I'm I'm going to run myself ragged. So part of that. Um, but also, again, if you get people that you say, I, I think they're going to do it better. I want to see what they're going to do with this because I have a feeling they're going to do a better job than I would. And then, you know, it's funny because what you find out is no one is going to do it quite how you would do it. Um, and they maybe don't have the experience you have, but if you can actually just give them a little bit of guidance, they do come up with something that's better that you would have done on your own or even them on your own. And that's where the collaborative kind of magic happens.
0: Yep, totally. But, and-
1: but you've got to believe in them and you've got to, that's why hiring is really important. And, and it's a hard thing because, you know, you, you make mistakes and, and you just, you never know really up front, but you can have a good feeling. For things, and when you find those right people, let them free and let them go, and give them the reins, right to, to grow.
0: Totally, uh, and we're out of time, so that's it to th- for today on the Mind Your Own Marketing Business podcast. Um, you can reach Voltage at voltagead.com or info at voltagead.com. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, Voltage at VoltageAd. Ad. Uh, thanks for being on the show today, Eric.
1: Hey, thank you. I really appreciate it.
0: It was a pleasure, and thank you to our listeners for joining us as well. Uh, You can download episodes of the program by going to fjordsdigital.com slash mindyourownmarketingbusiness or subscribing to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and iHeartRadio.